This is Art House Roadshow, a podcast on film, faith, and mental health with your hosts, Kyle Myers and Hank Spaulding. Welcome back, movie nerds, to a brief little movie review. And I am so lucky to be joined by my co-host for this review. This is the first time we've collaborated on our review, which is really great. Um, and if the audio sounds a little bit different, we're using a different uh, platform to host the uh, the recording today. So if you see so- hear something that sounds a little bit different than our nice, crisp, clean audio that we normally have, that's why. But Kyle, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I feel lucky to be here, too. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's a cold day here. So wherever you're at listening to this, I hope you're uh, staying warm. Um, Amen. But, uh, it's it's really funny. Kyle and I actually work um, across the hall from one another, um, and we just elected to video conference this uh, this recording rather than do it in person. And so that's it's uh, true. But I'm I'm working from home today anyway, so this works for me. I don't have to drive up yeah. to see, see doctor. I feel Harris. like I intentionally chose a day like, that, I, that you couldn't work, like meet first. So that maybe yeah. it's my fault. But I I appreciate you uh, zooming in from uh, from an hour away, and we'll. Uh, We'll get right to it. So uh, today is our much anticipated um, review of Licorice Pizza, um, which is a, is a really great movie. Um, uh, it got a wider release than than most um, kind of like films of this genre, but sure. um, I think it was still really good. Uh, Kyle, do you want to say a little bit? I know you're a big fan of this director. So if you want to say a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson, sometimes referred to as P.T. Anderson. Um, <clears throat> in regards to Art House, uh, directors, auteur directors that we've mentioned before, um, a director with a very personal vision and, um, and a lot of key themes you'll th- see through all of his movies uh, that relate very much relate to Licorice Pizza, the one we're about to talk about. Um, <clears throat> but certainly he has some other uh, very sweet, sensitive types of lo- uh, love stories that also, you know, are typically have quite a bit more uh, tension and, uh, just kind of difficult moments uh, happening in some of these other movies. Not as if you've seen There Will Be Blood. That's probably his most intense movie and, and least relational, but there's still a lot to talk about with that one, uh, relationally and spiritually. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, if you've Punch Drunk Love was a, a surprise back in the day with Adam Sandler being used in a serious role for the first time. I was just trying to give context to my 18-year-old about uh, what that was like. When everybody loves Sandler as an SNL guy, uh, actually doing a dra- dramatic performance, it was very weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but and he's a very quirky, you know, character. Um, and in the same way with Gary and Licorice Pizzas, you know, uh, falling in love and and in embracing something that's you know being offered to him. Um, and but uh, the last thing I would say, I think one of the key themes for. Paul Thomas Anderson is male sexuality and sexual expression in general um, and very unique in the world of movies that deal with, you know, lots of potentially lots of sex and erotica and and whatever and things that um, you would typically stay away from. But his handling of these things has a lot of emotional depth uh, to them. Uh, The dysfunction around that a lot of times is very, very honest um and and often sometimes depraved but also something that's being redeemed in a number of his movies magnolia and punch drunk love 
um, and others. And so, again, I think that relates in more um, subtle and some direct ways with licorice pizza, but that is definitely a theme that I come back to with his work. Yeah, and that's such a that's such an interesting insight because I mean, there's so many movies that explore the theme of of sexuality, um, and there's just not very many that deal with kind of the the complexities of it in a way that's nuanced. You know, in some ways, it's it's always performance driven. I mean, not always, but a lot of times in a lot of movies, it's performance driven. Sure. Uh, it's just kind of there for a, a kind of um, like uh, not even to move the plot along along sure it's really there just to kind yeah. of be <clears throat> it's there to put in the trailer sell the movie in the trailer usually yeah yeah exactly and so mm-hmm. it's one of those things that um like it's really great to have movies that can talk honestly about sex and sexuality in a way that um can speak to something more true than just a, a mere like sex for its own sake kind of uh, absolutely thing, I, I deeply appreciate in our kind of film where there's um in our kind of age where the film is uh, very much directed towards different ends um just kind of a brief overview of the movie i mean i the thing i really like about this movie and i i, I like this for the same reason that i like uh, mad max fury road the plot is incredibly sure. simple uh-huh. like it's it's a, just entirely a story about a, a character named gary valentine falling in love with a girl named elena yeah. Um, and their complex romance and that's it that's that's that that's the plot you know Absolutely. like they, they kind of grow age i don't really know where um they end up in terms of age wise when they finally get together uh that was something that was unclear to me but time passes you know significant time passes and they they never really tell you how many years pass kind of the main like and i mean you maybe you disagree that this is kind of the main like uh <laughs> like tension is the fact that gary <clears throat> is a minor and Elena is 25 in the movie. And so um, <clears throat> that's yep. something that kind of comes up. But I assume by the end, he's he's no longer a minor. Um, at least I would hope. Um, and, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, the, uh, I mean, lots <clears throat> lots has definitely been um, uh, made about that and, you know, online platforms and reviews and whatever. But I think it's a little distracting. Um, <clears throat> it, of course, you know, again, in movies and storytelling, uh, you're emphasizing something on purpose and for him to be 15, but be this very industrious, you know, going for it, he's got his own business and, you know, he's uh, being qualified as this, this child who doesn't want to be a child um, right. and is expressing these things that normally we wouldn't see, you know, uh, often in kids who are in college or after college, you know, they're still struggling to like get the motivation to do something. And Gary is a very motivated person and making him 15 really emphasizes that even more, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I really did appreciate that um, industriousness um, because I mean, if you watch the movie, he, he starts out as kind of like a, a marketing kind of expert. He's an actor and then he sells waterbeds and then ultimately opens up a pinball kind of machine um, uh, a warehouse. And I mean, to say something a little <coughs> bit, and, and I know you saw it on, on uh, 35 millimeter, but the, uh, the thing that's really great about this movie is it feels like an older film, just in Absolutely. terms of like, the quality of the picture and things like that. Um, and I, I think that's, that's really good. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic kind of um, almost like a look back um, in that way. So, yeah, I mean, well, do you want to say anything about kind of the, the quality of the film? And you saw it on a different kind of format than I did. And so, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 70 millimeter, which is, a you know, just a larger format than 35 millimeter. But that's, you know, how <clears throat> if you grew up uh, in the 80s and 90s, 
going to the movies, you were still watching movies on film. Um, and it wasn't, you didn't know that you didn't make a big deal about it, but mm-hmm. George Lucas in 1999 revolutionized filmmaking with the Phantom Menace by filming it. Uh, I don't know if it was filmed in digital, but it was projected in digital and he kind of forced all the theaters to have digital projectors and, and, mm. and um, do that. And so <clears throat> that changed everything, but anyways, film, you know, if you know anything about photography, um film itself is kind of almost like a living medium it's got its own texture it's got its own uh you know life cycle basically um and so i think there's a spiritual quality to shining light through the through the film obviously in photography exposure it's its own thing light is very sensitive you know all these kind of spiritual metaphors which i love about it um and so but you know experiencing a movie in 35 or 70 millimeter now you can see like it doesn't look clean even though this is a new print, you know, you still see crackles and, and spots and lines and whatever. And so the film is like a part of the film, right? It's part of the movie uh, experience. It's, it's uh, like, it's living alongside and it, and it changes over time. So anyways, yeah, it's a, that's one of my favorite uh, aspects of film whenever I can get to engage it. I love it. Yeah. And you haven't lived until you've been to a theater um, where the role breaks. Uh, that's right. Back kind of some uh like there's an art house uh uh theaters that this happens uh more frequently than places that are primarily digital but i um i remember i went to the bell court in nashville and mm-hmm. i was watching um i was re-watching a movie called moon which we've talked about before yeah and the film broke and it was it was quite a quite an experience i mean they were able to you know patch it back up and put it back together but there's that kind of sense of which the 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 theater gets to be a part of the film too and I, I like that kind of participation. Sure. Um, but anyway, so yeah, this this is a very interesting film. One theme that kind of stood out to me is this idea of romantic uh, love in general. Um, for for people who have ever read like the original um, uh, children's story, The Little Mermaid, not the Disney version, but the original version, there's this kind of sense in this film or in this this story that The Little Mermaid is um, kind of wrestling with immortal longing versus um the longing for romantic love and and kind of in classic literature and in really good films um the uh the the kind of idea of a main character um or uh any kind of character within the film or work going through this kind of um development of romantic love is itself seen as this kind of like longing for the divine like longing for transcendence in a very Mm -hmm. certain way and you can see like gary and i mean even elena too i i think like you know she the reason why at the end of the movie she kind of comes around and decides to um, date Gary or, or, or marry Gary. I don't know if that that's where they end up. Sure. But, um, and uh, <laughs> she, she she has this kind of realization when you know the the most current love interest that she has kind of falls through. She has all these different kind of love interests throughout the film, but um, she's looking for something more true, good, and beautiful. It seems like throughout the film and. Um, that's kind of the search that it takes her on. It takes her away from Gary, back to Gary, away from Gary, back to Gary, which is kind of almost like a divine progress, almost in a certain kind of way. Um, and it's a kind of purifying of our, our loves and affections. And that's, I mean, that's a part of like theology 101 in terms of the relation to ethics is that it's not about just teaching do's and don'ts. It's about, you know, training the affections to love well and to love rightly. And so in some sense, you see that heavily in elena but with gary even in his his mind like his kind of maturation right development into an adult 
like he has to put off childish things and become an adult himself. Um, sure. And so that's, that's there too. And I, I think that that's, uh, I mean, the best romance films, you know, again, are, uh, are, are found, uh, like find these themes because there's something innately human. And granted, we don't do a lot of movies these days that look honestly at like divine love. And that's kind of been sure. replaced by romance, but the best romance films can still speak to that edge. Um, I mean, with some exceptions, we do have ones who talk about love for the divine, but um, that's good. But yeah, I mean, so when you're watching this movie, what kind of like things stood out to you in terms of important themes for our listeners? Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, uh, one is to, again, start with the male sexuality side of it. And I think one of the significant things he um, is putting out there for Gary in particular is that Gary does have some <clears throat> sexually deviant behavior, manipulative behavior, you know, behind the scenes. That you just kind of learn about uh, from other characters um, and uh, who Alana is talking to or um, or you just see, you know, Gary hanging out with another female and Alana is jealous or sometimes vice versa. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of testing each <clears throat> each other. And the thing that is significant about that is there a number of moments where um you know some kind of intimacy is potentially going to happen or happening between alana and gary and he resists you know exploiting that moment uh suggesting that he really cares and respects for alana differently um and doesn't want to just you know manipulate that situation for for his own gain or selfishness um sexually speaking and so I think that's a profound uh, aspect of what's happening, you know, between them. And then, you know, and again, I think, you know, his being 15 and her 25, like she seems a little delayed and behind and hasn't kind of, you know, moved on as an adult. And he's very much pushing into adulthood as fast as he can. Mm -hmm. Um, So in some ways they, you know, their age is different, but I think, you know, emotionally and developmentally they're in, they're in a similar phase, which is why they're so attracted to one another. Um, and I just love, I mean, you mentioned plot and there's not even necessarily, you know, a, a actual plot we're following. We're just kind of following them around and there's a lot of running, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is one, Paul Thomas Anderson has done a number of the Heim music videos. Uh, Heim is a, you know, band with three sisters. Alana is the youngest sister in that band and their, uh, her sisters are in the movie, her real family, her Jewish oh, family. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and in, in those Heim music videos, they are typically walking or running uh, through through a number of shots that are um, uh, being tracked. And so um, so he's bringing that same energy. So Paul Thomas Anderson feels like he's bringing that same energy into this and, and the way that they are running through the movie <clears throat> constantly. But two two scenes, uh, one where Gary gets arrested, uh, Alana literally chases the cop car and runs all the way to the police station uh, to try to like help him. She's very upset about what's happening and he doesn't know what's happening and it's all a misunderstanding. Um, but her running there to him is significant in the story. And then later when she's on the motorcycle with Sean Penn's character, Mm -hmm. uh, Jack Holden, um, and she's having, you know, this experience with Jack Holden where he's also treating her nice and, and kind and, and she likes the attention and she's making Gary jealous. Um, but anyways, they go out on this golf course, so Sean Penn's character, Jack, can uh, use his motorcycle to jump um, with Tom Waits in the scene. It's not even worth describing. But anyways, yeah. when, he, when he starts to take off, Alana falls off 
the back of the bike and uh jack holden doesn't even notice yeah he's so into his own you know thing to impress everybody else on the golf course but gary sees what happens and gary takes off running across the uh golf course and runs to Alana to to be with her and to comfort her in that moment. So those two, you know, them running towards each other, uh, essentially, if you would edit that together, is also really beautiful and suggests something about even when they were angry, angry with one another and, and fighting, you know, they're very much running to towards the other person. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of get that culmination of that in the uh, in the conclusion where they find I mean, it's not as long and drawn out the running. I was very impressed with the amount of running that both no Elena had to do uh, in that kind of in that movie and everything. But at the end, that's that they're kind of running at each other. And that's that's a profound scene. Yeah. Shout out to Tom Waits being in that scene. Uh, he was the best part of that scene for me <laughs> just because I love Tom yeah, Waits. He's phenomenal. Yeah, he's great. Uh, but yeah, that's that that's such a great um, that's such a great trope and everything. And I, I love the uh, even. um like that kind of internal dialogue made external because you know if, if you watch the film you know that there's a romance with a a local politician that doesn't pan out for one reason or another and uh you know mm-hmm. that's when she has this idea that it, you know it's been gary all along and then she runs to gary and, and gary himself is tired of you know being like having success without like he's kind of reached the bottom like he's he's achieved this huge success is his uh, pinball machine hall is just like packed, you know, but there's yeah. kind of an emptiness about it. And then he goes there. And so I, I love that even like, even within industrialness of, of him, he, he recognizes that it itself has a bottom that is, is not satisfying. And um, that's when the romantic love piece comes back in. And it's I, it just a really interesting um, kind of way of thinking, thinking through these issues because in our time like obviously we've talked about this before you know romance movies and movies about money um, themselves either just like display the sheer joy of opulence or you know love that can be just really destructive and i think this actually doesn't do either i I think it shows the you know um the the kind of limits of industrialness and and making money what causes true joy and happiness but then also sure a love that isn't itself um, destructive, right? It's actually healing. It seems to be, mm-hmm. even though they have fights, which again is is true to form for real relationships and things like that. Yeah. Um, in the end, it is not finally destructive, and I think that's such an important piece. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, any final thoughts, kind of on licorice pizza, as we're wrapping up here? Yeah, um, I think only only the soundtrack was a, a joy. I I and well that I obviously enjoyed and the McCartney song in particular. Um, mm. Let me what was it? Let me roll it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the lyrics are: uh, "I feel my heart is like a wheel. Let me roll it to you." Uh, yeah, that that dropped at uh, a key key moment in the movie, and uh, that was just I just really enjoyed that. That's all. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, well, a soundtrack <laughs> can make or break a film. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, just look at the success of John Williams. I mean, that is why he is no uh, doubt he's one of the most uh, important uh, film score composers we have. So yeah, that can make it. Well, mm-hmm. uh, it's a great film. Um, I would highly recommend it. I assume Kyle, you've seen it twice now, so I would assume you also highly recommend it. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's a lo- lovely uh, little story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's in theaters for a little while longer. Um, and uh, so check it out. You know, obviously, as we say here, try and uh, see it at a local art house uh, theater. If you have one, um, check it out. Um, if you're wanting to help the podcast, um, please leave a review on any of the platforms that you 
listen to us on. It'll be a great way for people, other people to help us find the podcast. And uh, yeah, we're, we're coming up here uh, in the next month. We'll be coming back together uh, talking about Beasts of No Nation. Um, and we will um, uh, join you then. Uh, any final words and send off to our uh, listeners here, Kyle? Uh, only, yeah, Gateway Film Center in Columbus is still showing Licorice Pizza in 70mm. If you do want to have that experience, uh, look it up and, and make a plan for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope everyone uh, stays warm during this cold season, and we will see you next time on the Art House Roadshow. Take care, everyone. Right. Hey, everyone. Sorry for the false ending in our uh, podcast here for the review of Licorice Pizza. I uh, just wanted to jump in here. My co-host, Kyle, graciously reminded me that our next movie is actually Hunger, not Beast of No Nation. We will do Hunger and then Beast of No Nation uh, coming up here on the podcast. So didn't want to confuse anyone. Just want to drop in here and make that correction. Uh, but yeah, please uh, leave a uh, review if you can. Just want to reiterate that. That's a great way to help the podcast. Hope everyone's doing well. Thanks again. Bye. And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us on Art House Roadshow. We'll see you next time.